Well, good morning. It is a great joy to be together with you all today. It's, uh, it's, it's wonderful to see the faces of so many friends, so many people who feel like family. To Missy and to me, it's, uh, it's been wonderful to be welcomed back into your community over this past weekend. We've been studying a couple of vignettes out of the, the book of Acts, seeing that God empowers His mission. He empowers His mission in our lives. He empowers His mission right around us. He empowers His mission all over the world. It's the gospel that goes forth that brings the mission of God to lives that need to be transformed. And it's the Spirit of God we saw yesterday as we looked at the beginning of chapter 8. It's the Spirit of God that blows like the wind and scatter the seeds of His servants and His gospel all around the world to places like Samaria, places where no one expected the gospel to take root. And yet the Lord sends His people and plants us where He places us. That's what we are as a church. We're a church full of dandelions blown by the power of of the Spirit all around the world. And yet sometimes that Spirit's work seems random. Sometimes it feels chaotic. Sometimes we wonder, Lord, You are sending me to a place that I don't want to go. I feel at risk as I'm in in the whim of Your wind. My life feels out of control. I don't know what You're doing. And Lord, we need help. Even when we're on mission. But I'd like for us to see today through the second part of Acts chapter 8. I know that your bulletin says chapter 9, but we're going to continue in the story of Philip in chapter 8. The last half of that chapter, we see that although our lives might feel out of control, although it may feel like the Lord sends us to a place that we don't want to go, we are in the hands of a sovereign, loving God. And He calls us to savor His grace as He takes our life and makes it beautiful in His hands. Acts chapter 8, we're going to pick up the story in verse 26. So hear God's Word. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Rise and go toward the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place. And he rose and went. And there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure. He had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning, seated in his chariot, and he was reading the prophet Isaiah. And the Spirit said to Philip, Go over and join this chariot. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and asked, Do you understand what you're reading? And he said, How can I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Now, the passage of Scripture that he was reading was this. Like a sheep, he was led to the slaughter. And like a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he opens not his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe this generation? For his life is taken away from the earth. And the eunuch said to Philip, About whom, I ask you, does the prophet say this? About himself or about someone else? And then Philip opened his mouth, and beginning with this scripture, he told him the good news about Jesus. And as they were going along the road, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, see, here's water. What prevents me from being baptized? And he commanded the chariot to stop. They both went down into the river, Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. And when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord carried Philip away. And the eunuch saw him no more, and he went away rejoicing 
But Philip found himself at Azotus. And as he passed through, he preached the gospel to all the towns until he came to Caesarea. Let's stop there. Oh, Father, we ask that you would send your spirit and open our eyes, open our hearts, that we might behold Jesus here today. Lord, would you do a mighty work? Would you open our hearts to the beauty of your gospel? Would you enable us to entrust our lives to you and see how you've set us on mission, Lord? Use us as instruments in the hands of our glorious Redeemer, Jesus. It's in his name we ask it. Amen. One of the things that I found interesting through this COVID pandemic has been the emergence of virtual choirs. Have any of you seen any of those? It's like there's a choir that everybody has their own box on, on a Zoom screen and everybody's singing their piece and there's some, someone at the master control somewhere taking all these disparate pieces, these disparate parts and fitting them together in one seamless, beautiful piece of music. It's, it's fascinating. Our choir at Central did one of those earlier this year with the new Getty hymn, He Will Hold Me Fast. And it was wonderful to behold. But what would be really interesting is if you could mute all the squares but one. Mute all the Brady Bunch squares except one person and, and isolate one from the 30 or so that are joined together and only hear one and the sound would appear strange. It might even be, a, in a sense, chaotic because you would hear phrases, you would hear pieces of of, of lines of the song. You would hear scraps of words. You may even experience them pausing for 30 seconds and nothing happening. It seems chaotic. It seems unusual. When you isolate one person's voice from the entire vocal piece, you lose the sense of the movement. You lose the beauty of the music. Because apart from the choir, you only get part. You isolate one singer from all the rest. And that's That's kind of what the Lord is showing us here in Acts chapter 8 in Philip's life. That God has composed a beautiful piece of symphonic praise for His own name as He sends us out on mission. And sometimes we might look at our part. Our part in this great mission of God. And maybe it seems strange. Maybe it seems chaotic. Maybe it seems disconnected. And you wonder, how in the world does my life fit with what God is doing in His larger mission. Maybe even sometimes you mistakenly think, maybe God doesn't know what He's doing. Or maybe God's forgotten about me. Or maybe my life doesn't make a difference anywhere. I'm just drifting along, unable to see how my part in God's mission is connected to something bigger. But our God is a great composer. And He weaves together the scraps and the scrapes of our lives and and puts us together with other people's lives in His kingdom to produce a chorus of glory, a chorus of grace, a chorus of mission. Now, God is changing the world. Here's my point that I have for you this morning. Because God has written a beautiful composition of mission using our lives, we can trust Him. And in particular, because the Lord assigns the parts of that composition, we can trust Him. And because the Lord searches out all the players in this chorus, we can trust Him. Even when our life may not make sense. Even when we feel isolated and alone. Even when we've been scattered to our homes in a pandemic. The Lord connects us together and makes a beautiful composition for His own glory. And so we can trust Him. Let's look at the first point 
this morning because the Lord assigns the parts of this symphony of praise, we can trust Him. If you were here yesterday morning, you, we studied the first part of Acts 8 and we saw Philip. And you might remember that Philip was a Greek-speaking Jewish Christian and he served the widows in the church in Jerusalem. And that church had been scattered. Remember, they, had, they were uh, had taken up in Jerusalem and they were all hang, hanging out there and persecution came through Saul and the church and they were scattered from Jerusalem into Samaria, into the north, into a place where nobody expected Jews to go and share this gospel of Jesus. But the Spirit sent those believers. He scattered those seeds. He scattered the seeds of the dandelions of God's people all throughout Samaria and the ministry was going incredibly It was booming. The whole city was rejoicing. People were being converted. People were being healed. The kingdom of God was was growing. Evil was being stopped. It was incredibly successful in Samaria. And then we come to verse 26. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Rise and go towards the south on the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. And in case we missed the point, Luke adds, This is a desert place. Saying, Philip, I know you're having a great ministry. I know things are going like gangbusters in Samaria. You never thought it could be this amazing. But Philip, I'm asking you to leave. I'm wanting you to leave that place and I want you to go down to Gaza where there aren't very many people. I want you to leave this fruitful place. I want you to leave this fruitful ministry. I want you to leave the place where the kingdom is exploding and I'm sending you into the desert where nobody lives. Now, Philip's, verse 27 says, he rose and he went. But I don't think that would have been my response. Maybe it's just the pastor in me, but I I really don't, I don't think so. I would have thought, uh, I would have maybe argued with the Lord. Maybe I would have said something like, Lord, um, I'm not sure that that's a great idea. Because we have so much going on here. I mean, it's wonderful. Lives are being changed. People are coming to know you. Your kingdom is moving. And Lord, um, I, I'm not so sure that it would be great for me to leave this fruitful place and go where nobody lives. Can, can we rethink this, Lord? Maybe I'll even be so bold as to say, God, um, I really think that might be a waste of my gifts taking me from a place where you're using me and you're, you, you would send me into the desert where, where there's not people. Lord, that seems like a waste. Of, a church is being planted here. Or maybe I would even say, Lord, um, your gospel is all about transforming lives, right? So, so doesn't it make sense to be where people are <laughs> instead of sending me down to the desert? That would have been my response, I think. But the Lord called Philip and he rose And he went because Philip was being sent on a divine appointment of the mission of God into the desert. He was being called out of a place of clarity and mission and vision. And the Lord sent him to a different kind of place where very few people lived and it made sense to no one. Why, God, would you do something like that? But Philip was obedient and he went. Now, I don't want to make Philip into the hero here. He's not the hero of the story. Jesus is the hero of the whole Bible. This is not a be like Philip message. But there was a power at work within Philip as a disciple. 
There was a power of the Spirit of God alive and at work among Philip's life that enabled him to trust the Lord and follow him away from a fruitful place into a confusing place, into a a, a difficult place, maybe even discouraging place. And that same Spirit of God is at work within your life today. Are you flexible enough to hear his call and to follow him when he leads you? Is your life offered up to the Lord so that wherever he leads, you're willing to follow, even when it seems like you're leaving a place of fruitfulness to go somewhere else? Now, I want us to be careful. The Spirit always leads us in concert with his word. But I wonder if we are sensitive enough to the Spirit's promptings to follow Him when He shoves us out of the nest of our comfort. Are we willing to hear from God's Word the call of the Gospel? Am I sensitive enough to feel the nudge of God's Spirit to kick me out of a place that feels really comfortable and I know exactly what I'm doing, I know exactly how things are supposed to go, things feel normal, maybe even things feel easy. Lord, I'm not so sure I'm willing to follow you right now. Is that you? Are you flexible enough for the Lord to call you out of your place of comfort and push you to a place you wouldn't expect? To send you to a place where maybe there's not going to be an immediate payoff. Are you flexible enough? Let's keep going. Philip went out into the desert, verse 27 says, and it doesn't really tell us what he did. I'm envisioning this this guy walking on this desert road. God never told him where in Gaza he was supposed to go. That was a big region. Just go out into the desert. So I'm imagining Philip wandering around, wondering, Lord, am I there yet? Am I at the place that you wanted me to go? I'm all by myself here in this desert. And then his divine appointment showed up. Verses 27 and 28. That Ethiopian eunuch, he was a court official of Candace, the queen of the Ethiopians. He was in charge of the treasury and he began to ride down the road where Philip was standing. He was returning from Jerusalem. As he passed by on this desert road, get the picture, nobody else is there. It's Philip on this road and this chariot coming down the road and this man is reading aloud from the scroll of Isaiah. Now that's not unusual. Most reading was done aloud in those days. But look where he was reading. He was reading from Isaiah 53. He was reading from one of the clearest places in the whole Hebrew Bible about who Jesus is and what he would come to do. So the Spirit directed Philip to go over and join this man. And verse 30 says, so Philip ran over and started to talk. Picture it in your mind's eye. This is, this is a funny scene. I think Luke wanted us to kind of get the joke here. Here's Philip in the desert walking along and this moving chariot comes toward him and he hears the spirit that God told him to go to that chariot, that chariot that's moving. And so Philip has to go kind of run alongside the chariot to catch up with him. Hey man, how you doing? What you reading? You know what you're talking about? You know what this, this is all about? This is a funny scene. Philip's still jogging and the man says, how can I understand unless somebody guides me? He's jogging along the chariot and, and the man invites him in to help him understand what he's reading. But take a step back for a moment. Look at Philip's one little Brady Bunch square in this great symphony of God's mission, this, this great chorus. All by itself, this looks ridiculous. 
He had left this ministry where people were being healed, lives were being changed, God was doing amazing things. He sent him into the desert, and now he's chasing down a chariot to talk to this one guy in this chariot. It's a major disruption to his life. If you think about it just from Philip's perspective, he had a great thing going on, and now the Lord calls him to run beside this lone chariot, try to keep up, and tell this man about what he was reading. God had refined Philip's sense of call. He redirected where Philip was supposed to spend his life, and it probably wasn't what Philip wanted to do. He was called to go to a place maybe they didn't want to go. So what kind of trust would that take? What kind of trust would it take to to have the Lord refine his call and send him to a place that he didn't want to go, maybe certainly didn't expect to go, Maybe to leave this familiar place in Samaria and, and go where God says go. What, what kind of trust would it take to be able to follow the Lord like that? Well, I think that we would have to believe that our lives are about more than our personal peace. My life is, is bigger than just about the accumulation of comforts for me. We would have to believe that our lives are about more than just accumulating affluence and toys and and fun and curating experiences for our lives. We would have to understand that my life does not belong to me after all. My My life belongs to Jesus and He's free to serve or He's free to send me. He's free to do with me whatever He is willing to do. Because our God is writing a beautiful composition And he's using all of our individual little Brady Bunch squares to have some incredible mission of the transformation of this world by coming to know the Lord Jesus Christ. Are you willing to see your life like that? Are you willing to acknowledge I don't belong to myself and the Lord is free to send me wherever he would like? Are you willing to open up your hands and give up control enough to follow the Lord wherever he sends you? whether it's to your neighbor or it's down the street or it's to someone in your workplace, whether he sends you to some other country, no matter how comfortable your life is, are you willing to live with your palms exposed allowing the Lord to do with you what he will? Trusting the Lord in that way calls us to see our lives in a God-centered fashion rather than me-centered. Because the Lord calls us, the Lord frees us, He's saved us and freed us for our lives to be to be about and around His purposes and His direction, not just what I may want, what I may desire. And that's in big ways, big decisions in our lives, but it's also in, in the small ones. Maybe the Lord's doing something like that in your life right now. Maybe you're reevaluating. Maybe you're refining your sense of call. You're refining how the Lord wants to use you in, in His mission work. Maybe you're beginning to question how you spend your time and with whom you spend your time or how you use your resources for my purposes or do I use them for a bigger purpose than me, for the Lord. Maybe you're even beginning to see how the Lord sends little divine appointments into your life your everyday life, and sometimes it feels like a disruption. But maybe the Lord is doing something in those tiny disruptions, maybe just in the way that you talk to your neighbor across the fence. You ask how they're doing, and they share something hard with you, and you ask, can I pray for you? Maybe that 
that little disruption in your schedule is a divine appointment for the Lord to begin to stir in someone else's life. Maybe even in being available when your kids ask you questions and you feel like you don't have time to answer because you've got so many bigger things going on. What if that's a divine appointment? What if the Lord is freeing you in that moment to say, all right, I'm, I'm being called into a disruption to my schedule. I really don't want to be this. I really don't have time for this, Lord, but maybe this is an important moment for the life of my child. Or maybe the Lord has freed you up in your life and you have an opportunity to serve other people in your city in ways you didn't have before. Maybe it's disappointing. Maybe your career took a downturn. Maybe you have more free time because your work is not as fruitful right now. But the Lord has put something else in your life. Another opportunity to be on mission for Him. Could it be that all those disappointments and those disruptions that you might experience are actually movements of God? to position you where He wants you to be for a purpose that's bigger than yourself. When life doesn't make sense, when things are disappointing, sometimes the Lord is sending us on an errand that we don't understand. Sometimes He's sending us to a place because He has some great work of salvation that He's doing in someone else's life through you. It's the Lord who assigns the parts. The Lord is writing this symphony. The Lord assigns the parts in every little Brady Bunch square. And He's making something beautiful as He joins our lives together in mission. Because the Lord assigns the parts, we can trust Him. But also, because our Lord is a searching God, we can trust Him. Think about who this Ethiopian eunuch was. It says that he measured the treasure of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians. Candace was not this person's name. Candace was a title in Ethiopia for the queen mother. And the queen mother actually ran the kingdom of Ethiopia. And this, she was the power behind the throne. And this guy, this, this eunuch, was like the CFO of the Ethiopian kingdom. He was the secretary of the treasury. And so he was wealthy, he was powerful, and yet he had embarked on this journey to Jerusalem, verse 27 says, to worship. He was searching. He was searching for this God who's out there. He wanted to go to Jerusalem. He obviously had heard something about this God of Israel, and he wanted to go check it out. Now, think about how long it would take to get from Ethiopia to Jerusalem in a chariot. It takes five months one way. It takes five months one way to get from Ethiopia to Jerusalem in a chariot. That's an incredible sabbatical that he would have taken. An incredible time. Five months there, five months back, almost a whole year taken out of his work to go find, to go seek this God who's the God of Israel. And when he got there, it would have been incredibly disappointing. Most commentators agree that this unit would not have known about the prohibition of Deuteronomy 23, which says that eunuchs and others who were sexually mutilated are not allowed to enter the temple courts. So when he got there, five-month chariot journey to go from Ethiopia to Jerusalem, he finally gets to the temple. He's searching for this God, and they say, I'm sorry, you can't come in. You're not welcome here. Your life is broken. There's something wrong with you. One of our rules keeps you out from worshiping the holy and perfect God that we have. I'm sorry, 
that it's disappointing. I'm sorry you spent all this time on this journey. You're not allowed in. What a disappointment. Can you imagine the, the heartache that must have been? This guy was searching for God some way, but the point of the story is that this God was searching for him. He turned his chariot around and was headed back to Ethiopia, back from Jerusalem, and he was reading this Isaiah scroll. I don't know if he picked it up in Jerusalem. Maybe he'd never read it before, but he comes to chapter 53 when the sovereign Lord sends Philip to run alongside his chariot. One of the clearest pictures in the Old Testament of of the good news of who Jesus is, Luke calls it here. Think about the details of these men's lives that our sovereign Lord had to arrange for a moment like that. This guy leaving five months or maybe six or seven months by this time, we don't know, earlier, going to Jerusalem, being disappointed, reading this scroll. I don't know how many times he read it, but just at this moment... When he comes to this spot on this road in the desert, he's on chapter 53. It's one little Brady Bunch box. The adjacent Brady Bunch box of Philip's life. Philip, who had been serving widows in Jerusalem, sent to Samaria where people were hated. And he had this thriving ministry. And the Lord calls him away from it to go into the desert for some purpose. He has no idea what he's doing. He's wandering around in the desert and at exactly the right moment, the precise time of this eunuch riding by on his chariot, reading Isaiah 53, there's Philip. Right there. It's like the Lord had these two men's lives on a a crash course and there they were. For him to hear about Jesus. He was reading Isaiah 53. That's what... Our verses 32 and following are quoting. It's verse 7 and 8 of Isaiah 53. But he was reading. He was reading verse 4 right before Philip walked up. You know what Isaiah 53, 4 says? Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon Him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And by His stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. And the Lord has laid on Him the iniquity of us all. He had just read those verses and wondered, who is this? He asked Philip, is, is, this, is this prophet talking about himself? Or is there, is there someone else? Who does this? Who is able to bring those who stray like sheep and bring them into the family? Who is able to take our sin, who's able to take judgment, who's able to take our chastisement for our transgressions? Who is able to pay for my sin? That's the question that's on the heart of this eunuch. And Philip comes up to say, let me tell you the good news about Jesus. Just imagine what God had to do to bring these two men together at precisely this moment. The hunger in this eunuch's soul being turned away from being able to stand in the presence of this holy God. And here Philip comes along jogging beside his chariot to say, Oh, brother, there is a way to stand in the presence of a holy God. And it's not because of you. It's because of what this Messiah will do for you. It's because of the work of this Christ who has come that God Himself has sent to take your sin on His own shoulders. 
so that you might have fellowship with this God. That was the story Philip was able to tell after their lives came together. Isn't that amazing? The Lord arranged all this. Both of their entire lives come to this moment. It's like a, it's like a trailer out of some incredible movie that could come out of Hollywood right now. Like just this, you could hear it. You could hear it in your in your in your ears. One man journeying home unfulfilled. Another man plucked, plucked from a life of satisfaction, sent into the desert, and bum bum bum, everything changed. That's the story. It's like a Hollywood movie, but it's what God did to save this man. It's what God does to search out everybody who knows him. God is the one who searches out every player in his symphony. He searches for you as an individual to call you to himself by his grace. He searches you out that you might hear the the music of what Jesus has done for sinners like you and me. And he gives us His power of His Spirit, He makes us alive within our hearts that we can respond in faith. The Lord searched you out. If you're here today, it's because God searched you out and God brought you here. The Lord has been arranging the details of your life and He brings you to this spot just like He did this unit. I mean, the story is even funnier. Here they were in Gaza, riding along in the chariot. They've been talking about what Jesus had come to do and they come across some water. They come across enough enough water in the middle of the desert for this eunuch to be baptized. I mean, that's hilarious. What God has done to bring these two men together even provide for him to receive the sacrament, the public sacrament of identifying with the people of God and then he goes home to Ethiopia changed forever. The Lord still does work like this. Sometimes he's going to send you on an errand that doesn't make sense to you because he has purposed to save a sinner through your testimony. He has purposed to send you to someone's life that they might be exposed to the love and grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, that they may hear the sweet music of a a Savior who is crucified for someone like me He has sent you to lift the shame off of someone's shoulders who feel like they're rejected, they don't belong, there's no one who can love them. And the Lord sends you along on this errand of disappointment, of disruption to your schedule, so that a sinner will be saved. Isn't that amazing? He still does this kind of work, and He might use you or me to do it. And so what that means, friends, is that we can trust our Lord. If He knows the details, arranges the details of our lives like this, you can trust Him. You can trust Him because that same gospel sacrifice of of Jesus taking on Himself all of our sin, all of our sorrow, all of our disobedience, all of our rebellion, nailed to the cross in Christ's body, that we might be free forever, that we might be forgiven We might be healed and we might be given a purpose in His kingdom. Christ has done all of that for you. And if you're here this morning, it's because Jesus has called you here. If you have that hope within your heart, it's because the Spirit of God planted it there and you can trust Him because He has saved you and He holds your life in His hands. So I wonder, 
What might you begin to pray about this week? What divine appointment, what divine disruption might come into your life this week that the Lord could use the testimony of your life to bring salvation to another rebel or sinner, bring hope to someone who feels hopeless and despairing, bring joy to one caught in the trap of shame. What divine appointment will the Lord send in your path this week? Would you ask Him to show you? Would you ask Him, Lord, open my eyes that I can see where You're sending me. I can see the beauty of the symphony of Your mission at work through my life. Ask Him and He'll show you. He'll show you where to go and He'll bring people in your path who need to hear the beautiful music of the gospel. We don't know how long Philip and this eunuch rode together in the chariot. We do know that they were reading and studying Isaiah chapter 53 and following. I'd like to think maybe that they'd reached chapter 56. Isaiah 56 says this, Let not the eunuch say, Behold, I am a dry tree. To the eunuch who holds fast to my covenant, I will give in my house and within my, all my walls a monument and a name better than sons and daughters. To this eunuch who felt rejected and, and despised, the Lord says, I will give you a testimony. I will give you a name better than having a family. There's something better I will add to your life. I like to think that they reached that chapter and now Paul Harvey, the rest of the story. Irenaeus, a second century church father, reports that this Ethiopian eunuch went back to Ethiopia and spent the rest of his life as an evangelist to his fellow Africans. And in the decades that followed this man's life, many of the best theological voices, the leaders in theology of the early church came from Africa, Cyprian, Tertullian, Origen, Athanasius, Augustine, all of them Africans, all of them the Lord used to change the world. Can you imagine a better name than that? The Lord's keeping His promise. It's better than merely having a family. The Lord used this eunuch to teach the gospel to fellow Africans. And the Lord raised up a witness that went around the world that we're still talking about right now. I quoted Augustine yesterday morning. And Augustine is a spiritual great-great-grandchild of this Ethiopian eunuch. Can you imagine a better testimony, a better family than that? And the Lord took this man on a disappointing journey, took Philip from his successful ministry in Samaria out in the desert to meet a guy on the side of the road and change a continent for Christ. Our God is playing a great symphony for His own glory and His own praise because He has a mission that involves all of His people here and around the world and He will use you in ways you can never dream. He will use you for the beautiful music of the gospel of the Lord Jesus to be told from your life. Let's praise Him. Father, we are so grateful that You are the kind of God that knows me so well and arranges the tiniest details of my life and all of my brothers' and sisters' lives here that the gospel of Jesus would bear testimony from a sinner like me. Lord, how amazing is it 
How can it be that the Lord my God would die for me, that the Lord my God would use me to testify to His glory and grace, that He would use me, that the world would praise His name? Lord, we are standing in amazement this morning that You take our little, measly, chaotic lives and You join our voices together with other brothers and sisters for a beautiful symphony of praise to Jesus. Lord, help us to see our lives like that. Help us to open our hands to be used as instruments in our Redeemer's hands that the world around us, our neighbors, our friends, our co-workers, our family, people on other continents would know Jesus because of what you are doing at Rivermont Evangelical Presbyterian Church. Use us, Lord. Raise up a testimony for your own name's sake using these dear brothers and sisters here. And we thank you for the work that you allow us to participate with you in the saving of your world. We pray all this in the strong name of Jesus. Amen.